Beat him to the raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is a guy that I've been in contact with for quite some time. We've, you might say, become friends over the years, even without having kind of gotten to know one another in like a traditional sense. Like I've never met you in person, but we played each other. That was our first time ever interacting, I think. And I didn't know it, but you had been sending me messages and listening to the show pretty much since its inception. And for those of you that don't know, I'm talking about the one and only Shadow Marvel, or Matthew, as I will affectionately refer to him as. What's happening, my guy? Uh, not not too much, too much. It's it's, it's late over here on, in the uh, Eastern time zone, but uh, I am happy and excited. So talk about some Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yes, I'm stoked. I'm really glad to have you on. I really appreciate you being on here with me today. And you've been around in this community for a, a long time since, I mean, its inception, really. Like, you've been just poking poking around here and there and, and doing all the fun stuff. But for those of you that might not know who Shadow Marvel is, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Well, I, I, actually, I actually was really interested in the game when it came out, but I, I actually was going to go into Legion because I was a big X-Wing fan. I, I probably spent over a decade, I don't know, about a decade playing X-Wing, and so I was the natural conclusion would be that I would go into Legion for my war game, and then the pandemic happened, and all my unpainted Legion figures just sat there. And then I decided I'd look back at Marvel Crisis Protocol that interested me when they revealed it at, I think, Gen Con. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I was hooked. I, I started playing when the mutants arrived. I was listening beforehand. I, I, in fact, I was listening to your podcast and Fury's Finest. And I was just basically starting from the first episode and just listening to every single episode so I could just understand everything. And then the mutants dropped. The clock no longer needed to be reset. <laughs> and I was jumping in it. And from then on, it's been nonstop. I've been playing in every TTS season. I don't get to play a lot in person, but when I can, I like to try and play in person. I buy and hobby a lot, and I love the game. Nice, nice, yeah. I think you and I played each other, what, season four, five, something like that? It was, this is season, we just did season eight. It was not season seven, so it must have been season six, because okay. it was when you first started doing Convocation. That's right, that's right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just funny how, how this community and interacting with people in the community, and then, you, you know, you and I, when we played that game, it was super fun. I'm, if I remember correctly, 
you totally took me to task, but you know, it was it was one of those like hey, this guy's really good at the game. I can learn something from it, and I did, and obviously I have gotten somewhat marginally better with my convocation sense. You've gotten a lot better. You've gotten <laughs> a lot better. I appreciate that. Well, you're, you're a master of the convocation, I would, I would say. Oh, see, now that I appreciate that. I, 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 I really do, and it's one of those things where it's funny when we talk about being a master of this thing or that thing. I mean, you've got those Avengers pretty much pretty much down, I would say. And uh, it's fun to think about this because for the suits that don't know out there, there's a Ryder Cup coming up. I don't know if you know what the Ryder Cup is in golf, but it's basically the U.S. versus the rest of the world, or I think Europe maybe is kind of how... Just Europe, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So U.S. versus Europe in golf, but the... MCP community, especially led by uh, Rich Mid here, has put together a Ghost Rider Cup for MCP, which will be on Saturday. It's going to be a full day starting way too early for people like me who work a night shift, but we're going to be there. And uh, it's got like a single game event and then like a doubles event that's going to be ridiculous and awesome. So I'm really excited to see that. And um for the ones that might want to watch some of the games, I know some of them will be posted on like Discord. Some people might be streaming through Discord, other uh, different Twitch channels and stuff like that. But you can also come over to my Twitch channel. It'll be uh, twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05. And what is it? With a Z. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Darth Balls with a Z. And uh, you can come and check out the games over there. And I don't know, I, this is super random bookkeeping thing, but I think I might fail on Twitch and move over to like Facebook because apparently some weird stuff's happening at Twitch. Like I'm not a high enough Twitch streamer for it to matter, but I don't know if I want to be riding on the sinking ship. You know what I mean? But anyways. Yeah. I personally like uh, the YouTube streaming. That's been my favorite to watch so far. Yeah. I watch a lot of Facebook because I watch people like Stone Mountain 64 and stuff because I I just he's been one of my favorite streamers for years, Call of Duty, all that fun stuff. But I also like Jack Frag's streams and Westie's streams over on the YouTube. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll make the YouTube thing pop off a little more. So anyways, just stay tuned for all that. I won't make any grand changes right here, but uh, yeah, it's going to happen at some point. So today... Matthew, what we're going to talk about, we've got a jam-packed show. Like, I am incredibly excited for today's show because we got some new things dropping. We got some information on some releases. We got some kind of, like, in-the-description spoiler stuff that sounds pretty cool. And then we've got to talk about, like, this, you know, looming presence, if you will, this shadowy figure cloaked in shadow things and stuff a master of the realms if you would at the the mcp realms yes yes he he might be carrying a blade and it's getting a little too close to midnight some might say but it is for me (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly so first up i want to start by talking about these brand new sentinel prime mark IV tactics cards that were released because i think 
at least for me, we're starting to see a bit of the picture of what the Sentinels are going to be. Like, we, we obviously knew what the models were and everything, but, like, now with some of these tactics cards, we're kind of getting a better idea of what they're going to do. And when you looked at the Sentinels to begin with, you know, you had the five threat leader plus the two Mark IV Sentinels, which, for those of you doing the quick math at home, that's 13 threats. So it's kind of a tall starting point, if you will, for a list like that. And so one of the cards we got here is called Online and Operational. And it is a Sentinels-affiliated card. It is an active tactics card. So you have to be playing the Sentinels affiliation to use it. And it has to be during your turn. So Sentinel Prime Mark IV may spend 8 power to play this card. Note, it does not have to be his activation. It can be... Any activation, but he's the one that has to spend the power. Choose an allied injured Sentinel Mark IV within range 3 of Sentinel Prime Mark IV, because God forbid we don't make sure to say Mark IV there, but that's future-proofing, I know. The chosen character removes all damage, removes all special conditions, drops all objective tokens, and flips its card to the healthy side. Now, one thing to note here, if this particular Sentinel that you're making online and operational has already activated, you don't remove the activated token. That still stays. But, Matthew, what do you think of this card? Uh, well, this is kind of a card I was expecting to get. Because I, I felt, you know, it was kind of the... The, the expectations was there with these this tall rosters and it's just thematic it's just mm -hmm. kind of thematic i that uh the sentinels would just call in reinforcements as it were um i sort of thought it would have been an age of ultron style card that they would get and it's not exactly age of ultron but it's shades of age of ultron and i think it's not only a great card but probably a necessity i don't know if i'd bring it every single game i play with the sentinels but i probably bring it every time i bring all three sentinels onto the battlefield yeah i think it also is something to note is that it does not tell you to remove the power from that sentinel Ooh. so if you that sentinel has not activated then you suddenly have a sentinel that is probably juiced up on power and is ready to go to town. And I love that. And the other thing that I thought was really necessary is um, I was talking with my uh, co-host Kenny about this, Kenny G. And I think that the flip side, the injured side of the regular Mark IV Sentinels mm -hmm. is really bad. Like, I think that their not-builder standard attack is possibly one of the worst attacks in the <laughs> entire game of MCP. Like, worse than Wong bad. Oh. And I can't imagine ever using that attack unless I'm absolutely desperate and I need to get, like, one damage in on a target. But th this is what the this is what you need. Because now you can take these car, the well, at least one of your sentinels that is in this horrible state of disrepair, and bring it back into what I think is a really strong four threat on that front side. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I don't necessarily think plasma leak is is is, is like terrible. I I see where it's you're coming worst. from. It is it it is clearly the worst thing ever. Uh, I mean, look, at least you get to roll extra dice for criticals. Like Wong doesn't get to do that. He doesn't, but he also doesn't get hurt himself doing it. Touche. <laughs> but the fun thing about this is, like, so if you've got a sentinel that's like maybe about to go down, and your your friend might be playing that game of like, well, I don't want to mess with this one because I don't want to give him back priority or or some kind of, you know, the shenanigans happen in every game you ever play of this. But like, you know, sometimes there's a time not to push the damage through. Sometimes there is. Now, I know I've learned as I've played this game, like most of the time, if you have a chance to remove a model from the board, you take it. But you just never know. Let's just, you never know. So I think like there's a fun little thing you could potentially do where like you've got this injured sentinel and, and sitting there and he restraint cables somebody in. Maybe he does a plasma leak. Maybe he's sitting there on like one health within range three of sentinel prime. He's already activated and he's sitting on a secure and then boom, sentinel primes like here's eight power. And now that sentinel is back to healthy and counting for that secure way to go. Good activation. Like it's, I, I don't know. I could see it being fun, but I do agree with you. I think this is more of a, like, hey, that Sentinel's hurt before he activates. Let's get him back to healthy and then activate all that power, you know, boost up his plasma blast, you know, throw some suppression protocols, pull some people off of points. I, I definitely think that's more the play, but I could see, like, a fun, like, let me just push this as far as I can on damage, which, I mean, let's be fair. It's me, so I'm going to roll as many criticals as it takes to kill this character. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think you're wrong, though. I mean, this card is in, is a lot more flexible than the Age of Ultron that it's kind of based on. Age of Ultron is a card that is essentially designed that if when, he di when this character dies, then it doesn't die. And it kind of can potentially never get played if that character never dies. And you know, you these sentinels are going to flip, and you can play in any situation. You can play it like sort of how you play Jonathan the Unstoppable, where you have an injured character there, and then suddenly, at as the last activation, you just turn that injured character into a healthy character, and now they're contesting and winning a point. Like people, I've noticed on the discords have been pretty down, a little down on it because it cost eight power, but. A power. I mean, you're that's like almost you're like say it's like healing probably about 10 health and then flipping to healthy. That is that is worth eight power, right? And not only that, like the, the argument they're saying, well, that's like eight rerolls that Sentinel Prime is giving up, but also remember that eight rerolls, mathematically speaking, is probably you expect that to be four hits. So you're basically trading the eight power that would give you four hits over the course of a game um, or 10 health and back to healthy. I think that's a fair trade. Oh, I yeah, I think that's a ridiculously fair trade, especially when, I mean, you did more dice math there than I could even imagine. And yes, like the rerolls in this game are very strong. Like dice consistency is a very good thing in this game. But, I mean, you're working with an eight-sided die. 
And and these things just go crazy. They hit corners. You never know when a skull's going to pop up and just blow your Clea out of the water. You know, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm kind of with you on this. It's like, that is a more than fair trade. And I've talked to a couple people that have played like some proxy games with Sentinels. And they're like, look, Sentinel Prime is never hurting for power. And when I look at his character card, I mean, he's got that 10 health. He's got that five dice builder that he can add extra stuff to for a couple extra power, which is going to more or less pay for itself most of the time, you know, like in the right situations. And it's one of those things where like, as the game goes along, that's part of like, you know, knowing your squad and, and being involved with how these characters synergize with one another and saying, okay, I've got a Sentinel that's on, you know, close to death or close to being dazed. And I could spend a bunch of power to get them a bunch of rerolls, or I can hang on to this power. And then when they do get flipped, boom, I'm ready to turn them online and operational. And like, that's kind of that, like, it's like that little ace up your sleeve that you can use to kind of mess with people a little bit, I think. Yeah, no, I, and, and also I don't want to begrudge anybody who looks at this card and says, this isn't for me because it doesn't have to be for you. They're, it, it kind of reminds me of all according to plan where it, there's a card that has an incredibly powerful effect, but it costs a lot of power. And I played a lot of Shadowland Daredevil and I played all according to plan, but I always talk to another pl- Shadowland Daredevil player and they always play all according to plan every game without a doubt. And I brought it maybe 50% of my games and that's because when I play Shadowland Daredevil, I spend a lot of power on superpowers and spenders. Mm-hmm. I'm tr- I'm trying to I'm trying to go for the pure murder, and they're really gaming for getting that power so that they can play that all according to plan, follow me turn. And that is those are two totally valid ways to approach how you play that squad. So similarly, if you are the type of person who just likes building, you know, building up the dice on that builder and re-rolling your dice and doing all that stuff and spending the power and having the fun. That is totally cool. And then maybe this card isn't for you. But I do think this is one of those like defining cards for the affiliation on a play style. Yeah. And and that's where I think you nail it is like like play style, defining cards, and so thematic. Like I mean, it's just dripping with theme, and anytime I have an opportunity to do something like that, I'm very, very much here for it. So, and and I agree with you. Like, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you, and perfectly fair. Like, play the game how you want to play it. That's not what I'm here to do. That's not what you're here to do is to tell people how to play this game. All I'm saying is this is definitely going to be one of those cards that will sneak up on you that you might, like, be like, oh, what's that do again? okay, cool, and then you're playing along, you're doing the stuff, and then, like, what's that do again? Okay, cool, it's not relevant right now, but then when it is relevant, like, it's going to hit good, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, online and operational, I'm playing it. Anyways, next tactics card that was revealed for this pack, and now, remember, these are only two tactics cards from the Prime pack, there are still other tactics cards that can be revealed for the Sentinels, which I'm super stoked for. But this three next... more. Ah, there you go. Three more. I'm stoked. Ah, can't wait. Sorry. 
I get really excited for the little things. They're pretty big. They're size five. <laughs> fair, fair. So it's not the little things, it's the big things in this instance. So there you go. <laughs> so the next tactics card we have is Under Your Skin. It is an unaffiliated card. It is reactive. When you include this card in your squad, choose one non-Sentinels affiliated character in your squad. It is now a Sentinels affiliated character. If your squad is using the Sentinels affiliation, when the chosen character is deployed, it gains a Nanite token. After all characters are deployed, discard this team tactic card. The character with the Nanite token gains the flight and immunity to poison and bleed innate superpowers. So they're always going to be able to fly and be immune to poison and bleed just like their size five large friends. So this is one of those cards. Like we've seen a card like this before in Shield called the Initiative. It is very important to note with this card. While it is unaffiliated and reactive, it does not all of a sudden like make you get to affiliation if you play this on like let's say a Baron Zemo as an example because he'd be amazing with flight. But Baron Zemo, you don't get to like be like, I'm gonna go two Sentinels and Baron Zemo and boom, I'm affiliated. And and then sprinkle in whatever other characters you want. It doesn't work that way. You you have to start at a place of affiliation and then when you're adding in another character in your squad, that's when you can play this card and then they become affiliated and then things like, you know, whatever other tax cards, like I, I was going to say online and operational, but it wouldn't work for anyone but a Mark IV Sentinel. But either way, I think the point is taken. I think this is cool. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a little cooler on this card than online and operational. I... Uh... I've done a lot of theory crafting with the initiative and it's uh, not a great card with shield mostly because of the opportunity cost that right. is involved with it. it because the main benefit you get from a card like this is that you're able to use the affiliated tactics cards which we don't know what those are that would affect this character because there's still three more tactics cards out there. But S.H.I.E.L.D., we know, has a lot of great affiliate tactics cards, and it kind of makes sense that, that you can get a S.H.I.E.L.D. mobile on a character, or Battlefield Medicine is more easily you know, accessible, or Sit Rep. All these cards that really help to build out your squad. But the fact that it ends up really being two tactics cards to play this one tactics card on your character doesn't really make it work. However, I will say, I think that the bonuses that you get with this one, with Under Your Skin, are better than the ones you get with Shield. I think Flight, as you said, like Zemo or, I don't know, a Black Panther, Ooh. having the ability to have Flight is pretty can be pretty strong, and then also being immune to bleed in poison is not too shabby either if you want to do something like let's say terrigen clouds oh, yeah. and you start out with 
the you know the let's say you start out with the three sentinels and then you throw ultron in there and then your three threat of choice who gets nanites and now everyone on your team is got flight and immune to poison nice i love it and then it's like well come at me in humans <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> or you know come at me blade get you know yeah with your get with wrecked. your mystic attacks and your bleeding ah, get wrecked <laughs> yeah oh you know what's funny yeah do not play midnight suns into sentinels i think that's probably not going to be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and convocation two is going to struggle but you know what it's cool it's cool we're going to make it happen so yeah, yeah. At, least, at least you can port them exactly that's all I need to do is just get out of my face. So under your skin is a really interesting one because I, I agree with you. Like I think it's it's different than the initiative because you really hit the nail on the head, that opportunity cost. But being able to fly is one of those like you don't think about it until you need it. You know what I mean? And like you're like, oh, that size three piece of terrain. Dang it. It's just right in the way. And, uh, you know, as someone who's played a ridiculous amount of Web Warriors and someone who has played a ridiculous amount of Convocation, most of my people are flying. At least the relevant ones are. You know I mean, Wong doesn't need flying because he just hangs out and does what he does. You know, Ancient One can teleport, so she's got what she needs to do, whatever. But, like, everybody that needs to do things are doing things with the flying. And it's one of those things where, like, I played Winter Guard recently, and I had the bear, and I had, uh, you know, the Red Guardian, and I think I splashed somebody else in. I don't remember who. And it was one of those things where, like, especially with Red Guardian, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could fly right now because, no, I have to move short up onto this thing. Dang it. It's yeah. just, you know, little things. It's the little things. They're the big things. It's the size five things like you talked about. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that's all the spoilers we got today. But I think that's a lot, and I think we, we gleaned a lot of information out of those. We also have had some other spoilers recently in the terms of like what we're getting. And uh, the big ones are in December, we're getting Blob and Pyro. And also we're getting the Crisis Protocol Rivals panel Weapon X program that was revealed a while ago that was the Wolverine with like the cowboy hat and the saber tooth with the sweet jacket standing on a log. And then apparently we found out some new information. We're getting a motorcycle piece of terrain with that. But a pretty big piece of information here. Well, there's two. Firstly, it's going to cost $100. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, get those pocketbooks ready, people, because holy expensive. And it's a very usable piece of terrain. Um, these models look amazing. Holy crap. I mean, how do you feel about that price? Like, this is new, uncharted territory for Crisis Protocol. Well, you know, speaking as somebody um, who doesn't really play a lot of mutants, uh, I'm jazzed about Sentinels, you know? So uh, I, I'm I'm personally not really bothered by it for the same reason I'm not bothered by the fact that there's a taco truck included with Deadpool and Bob. Mostly because I just I didn't buy it. <laughs> it's not, well, there's that. not my thing uh it's a lot of money um i would be very interested to see what the cards are uh both 
tactics cards, character cards, and something else you're probably going to mention. And because I think that it's a lot of money to potentially gatekeep. I'm not saying the value is not there because you're getting a lot of terrain. You're getting a lot of stuff out of it. You're getting a lot for your money. But if you're just interested in both the characters, just the characters and the and the cardboard that comes with them, then that could be a little feels bad to try to have to shell out that money. Yeah, that's kind of where I am with it. If I'm being honest with you, is that there's a lot of value packed into here. Like you said, like that terrain piece is very cool, but a lot of people don't need the terrain. I mean, I know you said that you aren't really care about the mutants, so it's not for you perfectly fine, but someone like yourself, right? Who says they don't get to play a lot in real life. Uh, you probably only would want the characters and the cardboard and, and the card stock in that regard. So, like, having this big piece of terrain that does, you use the phrase gatekeep, but it does gatekeep just a little bit. And I think that this is one of those interesting things that with the Spider-Man and Doc Ock set, it was nothing new. It was literally just alternate versions of those characters, which are very cool. Those are very cool characters. Alternate sculpts, all that cool stuff. We know this is new stuff. And I think, like... This is a bit of an experiment for AMG to say, okay, how well will this be received putting this behind kind of a thicker wall? And and I think it's fair to compare this to something like a Dormammu or even the big bad kitty dad, Malekith himself. You know, like those things aren't as expensive as this was. Like I think Malekith was 60 bucks and Dormammu was 80 and each of those got a lot of plastic. You know, plastic's not free. Inflation is a thing. But, like, you know, you got a lot of value out of, especially the Dormammu box, I think had a lot of value packed into it. The, the Thanos box, same thing, a lot of value packed into it. So I think this is a bit of an experiment for AMG, and I'm interested to see how well it's received. And I think that what's going to end up happening is you're going to have a lot of people waiting to buy this until things are revealed or you know or until things like we're going to get reveals right they're going to have spoilers but until things are like all right is this actually like worth my time and money or not yeah i don't know that's just my two no, cents that, that makes sense it makes sense it's 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 an investment uh it is. And, and in a lot of places this is more expensive than getting the corset it is it is and uh, just so y'all know, I do want to do this particular thing as a giveaway, as a way to give back, but that's that's December. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But if you are interested in a giveaway right now, we are doing a giveaway for the new Sentinels. You'll get a Sentinel Prime Mark IV and then the Sentinels Mark IV boxes. Uh, so just check out the post on our Facebook page. Make sure to leave a comment there. And also you can uh, send us the secret messages that we'll come up with throughout the show here to me on Facebook or via Discord or via email at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. I had to think about it for a second. And um, mm -hmm. 
Also, you can check out our Patreon if you're interested. There you have the uh, Mark Five patrons get an extra two entries into our giveaways, so make sure to check that out. But if you just want to support the show and just hang out and be a part of our wonderful Discord community, which you can speak directly to, is uh, only a, a dollar a month. And you might ask, why the paywall for a Discord community? And it's simply just to keep trolly-ish people out because most trolls don't want to even pay a dollar. So there you go. So I uh, I love it. It's a great community. So check that out if you're so inclined. But uh, I think I've buried the lead far enough. The most interesting thing that we found out about this pack is that it comes with a new affiliation. And that is the Weapon is. X affiliation. I don't know about you, yep. but that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, more affiliations is always cool. Uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, orig- I think uh, a stream, they had said that this is a Wolverine that took place before he joined the X-Men. So there was a lot of speculation that that meant that this Wolverine is not going to be X-Men affiliated, not going to be Avenger affiliated, probably not Defenders affiliated, Sabretooth's probably not Brotherhood affiliated then. So are they are they releasing a $100 box with two characters that everyone really wants to be really good and then make the and then give them the Punisher treatment where they don't have an affiliation? <laughs> uh, so this is this is very uh, happy news that they they're coming in with a home. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm stoked. And, you know, we already do have some Weapon X characters, like the Weapon Plus program, if you will, characters in the game. I mean, we've got Deadpool, we've got X-23, we've got Honey Badger, already a version of Sabretooth and Wolverine. So I'm very intrigued to see if we get any kind of surprises on that affiliation card. I mean, I know some people feel like that Captain America could be affiliated with this because technically comics lore being weird and convoluted, he was part of the Weapon Plus program. So, like, I think that could be super weird. I don't think they'll do that. But, uh, yeah, like, it just opens up a lot of fun avenues, and a new affiliation is always fun. We get to figure out new ways to synergize some characters and stuff. I'm stoked. Do you have any, like, surprises that you might think will pop into this one? You know, I, I don't. I think that AMG, I've, I am always particularly conservative about what is going to go into an affiliation, and I feel that AMG themselves are also more conservative. I can see that. I think that people that look into it and they're just like, okay, I want this person, I want this person. This person was in a video game, and this person was in a co- one comic issue at this one point, and this person was in the movies, and then they're like, well, they're going to be in the affiliation. And then they, it comes out, and they're not. Yeah. And I could see, you know, AMG coming out and just being conservative about it, just bringing in the Deadpool, the the big sis, little sis, the Wolverine, the Sabretooths, and then taking a step back, seeing what the, the, how that hits the meta, and then saying, okay, well, we can we can do. Uh, I think they added Wong and they added Daredevil. You know, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit later to affiliations, so they could say, okay, well, maybe maybe we'll throw in an Omega Red. Why not? We'll throw in an Omega Red. He's right. like Russian Weapon X. Doesn't really make too much sense, but why not? <laughs> and I think AMG will go that route. That they'll be conservative at first. It'll probably be something like a six or seven. Um, 
character affiliation, Mm -hmm. and then we'll see where it goes from there. I love it. I'm stoked. I I can't wait. And and that means like in November, we should be getting some sweet spoilers for this. Oh, I'm so excited. But if you'll notice, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've got October covered with the Sentinels and then the Master of Hydra Red Skull. But then we have November. And November, we're getting the X-Men and Brotherhood affiliation boxes. So it's coming with the four main characters for each one. So Mystique, Sabretooth, Toad, and Magneto for the Brotherhood. And Beast, Cyclops, Storm, and Wolverine for the X-Men. This is nothing new. These are just updated cards that... You know, in the new format, not actually rebalanced as far as we know. So, yeah, it'll be just like the the other affiliation boxes we have, and I think this is wonderful, a great jumping on point for new players. So, but I, I do think it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, it it does sort of make me think that the idea, since they're we don't know yet, they could reveal anything in the next you know month or so, but. The fact that they're gonna they would release an affiliation box with the new formatted cards for the X Men makes me feel that the idea of them eroding, you know, buffing the characters might not actually happen. Yeah, because it'd be really weird for them to like release this pack and then like a month later say, "All right, but here are the real cards <laughs> right. that are not in the pack." <laughs> right. Like that's like, I'm right there with you. Like it'd be it'd be a bold strategy to go that route if they did that. It's like okay, guys, here's all the models all in one place. But by the way, the cards are over here. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know what they're gonna do, but either way, I think that it's interesting because those two boxes are the only things that are slated for November. So I'm interested to see if we get any other kind of drops in November or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They they mentioned a whole bunch of things at the mini extravaganza, but they didn't necessarily say they were coming out this year. So we might get some spoilers about them this year, but they might. I don't know if they're going to come out. And you know, to be honest, the sets are a lot of money. Yeah, this rival box is a hundred dollars. My wallet can stand a little <laughs> break. Absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of things that uh, can take a break. If you will, I I wanna I wanna sprinkle just just a sprinkling of salt on on some stuff here, and we're not gonna sit here and just have fest, but I also do think it's worth discussing because Malekith has taken over the zeitgeist that is. Marvel Crisis Protocol. And you might be saying, wait, Zeitgeist, wasn't that a character from Deadpool 2? Yes, it was. But there's also a thing called the Cultural Zeitgeist. You can Google it. And it's basically like the the discussion points uh, and stuff. And just like invading the consciousness of all the especially competitive MCP players. And I want to start, Matthew, by giving an example of how Malekith has kind of taken over in a sense. And I'm on record as I don't think he is terrible. I think that he 
He needs a little bit of a look. Yes. I think that there are tools to deal with him. I think in the competitive scene, he is a problem. But I think, like, he's not that different from the times of, like, Black Order just being the ultimate NPE. I don't think we're that different of an experience. It is different, but not that different. But here's how Malekith is affecting me personally. Um, let me tell you how he's affecting me personally. <laughs> so we have a local slow grow league coming up soon here in Memphis. And we are going to be capping it off with a tournament at the end in December. And part of the slow grow league, I can't hardly say that. It's is a hard thing to say. It really is. Try saying it three times fast if you're listening. Just try saying slow grow, slow grow. See, there you go. Just try it three yeah. times fast. You'll see. Anyways, we're doing this league, and part of the stipulations that the league organizers made was to not include Malekith in any roster until at least week three, because it's meant to be a three-box and build type of thing. So you start with a core plus three, and then you add a box, add a box, add a box, add a box every week. And they said, no Malekith till week three. And Very generous. <laughs> yeah, very generous, but... I think that's indicative of the sentiment around this model. And I really, really want to get your opinion on Malekith as a whole. And do you feel like when you're, when we're talking about this, keep in mind, do you feel like he's a problem strictly competitively or across the board? He's got to go. <laughs> just right off the top, just lay it out there, slap it right on the table. He's got get him go. out, melt the plastic down, <laughs> feed, him, feed him to the raccoons. <laughs> you know, you know, he's gone. Uh, he's no, I mean, you can fix him. Like, obviously, there's no like broken model that can't be fixed. We, we AMG is seen problems before and has fixed them in the past uh and i i think they've even started trying to fix him <laughs> already with uh with rulings on the uh forums exactly but, Let, let's talk uh, about that for a second let's talk about that okay yeah let's hit that so amg recently made a ruling on the forum so when domino first came out she has probability manipulation which says, I will read it for those of you driving so you don't have to worry about uh, trying to find this character card and, and reading all of this nonsense. It's a power cost of X, it's reactive. After this character rolls attack, defense, or dodge dice, but before the resolve criticals step, it may spend any amount of power to use this superpower. For each power spent, choose one skull to treat as a critical for the remainder of the attack. Now, the understanding, and I think, though I can't remember specifically, even the ruling for a while was that this could be functionally preloaded. So you could yes. overspend power. You could say, all right, I rolled one skull and one crit in this attack roll, so I'm going to spend two power 
to turn the skull into a critical and then subsequent potential skull into another critical result. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. They made that ruling. And at the time of the ruling, it kind of ha- it made sense for Domino. It felt like she was making a gamble and her whole thing is being lucky. So it kind of made sense. You know, I got this, so I'm going to spend... She doesn't gain power that much, so I'm going to spend that power. I have the limited resource, and I'm going to see if I can get a little lucky yep. and get an extra hit in there. Yeah. So it made sense. It really did. And it's one of those things where I actually used it to survive some nonsense that I should not have survived against a Magneto just rolling into me with the re-rolls, all the shenanigans, throwing all this stuff. I survived on my injured side with one health after two full re-roll Magneto attacks plus two other throws because of this. Literally because of this superpower. And uh, shout yeah. out to Hunter. That was like the first time I played Hunter like a couple years ago out in Nashville with Nate. It was a good time. But anyways, I digress. So we have Domino's superpower. It was ruled thus, right? It was awesome, right? It was, it was a cool thing. It made a lot of sense. Fast forward like a year almost, I guess. It's been almost a year since Domino came out. We have... Yeah, a little, a little over. There you go. We have Big Bad Kitty Dad... Male Keith, the accursed, and he has a reactive superpower called Cloak of Shadows. Now, tell me if you've heard this before. After this character rolls attack, defense, or dodge dice, but before the resolve critical step, it may spend any amount of power to use the superpower. For each power spent, choose one skull to treat as a critical for the remainder of the attack. There you go exact same word word. so this had been blowing up with malekith because a lot of reasons specifically malekith does not have a problem with power nope he gains power at an absurd clip typically now dice are gonna dice but pretty easy for him to do a ferocity his charge for two power get some power on that attack from Blade of Midnight, follow it up with another Blade of Midnight, maybe roll a skull or two, and have had some power off of that first one to now use Cloak of Shadows and subsequently preload that so that he can get those extra attacks and really just wreck, right? So It's happened to me a lot. There you go. So what's the new errata now, Matthew? So I don't have it up in front of me, but essentially the new errata is that you can't preload. Essentially, when you're paying the power, you're paying for the dice result that you have after rolling your dice. The skull that is sitting in front of you, you can pay power for that skull, which means you cannot overspend so that if you roll more skulls, then those skulls now count as criticals. And it also means that if you have any ability to make them re-roll their dice, you know, uh, like a witty banter as an example, you can re-roll that skull because it's not treated as a critical. And if it results as another skull, 
that is now a new dice result and is now treated as a skull and not a critical. I really like that last part specifically, like being able to witty banter or the disruption field that Winter Guard has, specifically Crimson Dynamo. And and I I like that aspect of it a lot because I think that's really interesting, but that's very niche and and most people aren't going to have a ton of access to something like that. However, the the lack of preload, it feels like this was going on with Malekith, right? Like people were seeing this happen with Malekith a lot. And so now Domino is just going to sit over there being sad. Like, yeah, Domino was a good model and was taken because of the probability manipulation a lot of the times to make herself more consistent and stuff like that. And I feel like she's paying the penance that Malekith is, but I feel like short of them being like, okay guys, we're going to, we're going to take this character and, and rebalance him right now. Short of them doing something like that. This was kind of like, how can we at least attempt to do something? Yeah. You need to, you know, if you release something powerful into the meta, you need to have the tools in which to deal with it. And I think part of the problem with Malekith is there we don't have a lot of tools. Uh, this is a plague on our <laughs> game that we don't have the uh, proper medication and treatments for. Would you say and your AMG, blood is boiling right now? My blood is boiling. <laughs> As we speak, I'm sweating. And the this is AMG taking, I think, in my opinion, I am editorializing, but this is AMG taking a first stab at giving us tools, saying you can include these characters that can make him reroll dice. You can also allow him to have recalibration matrix, which can also reroll those those dice. And also it allows for him to not be as oppressive as he was, uh, mm-hmm. though still oppressive, but not as. And so this this is, I think, w- one very good step in the right direction. Okay, so let's focus on that for a second, like the oppressive nature of things. And you you mentioned like the tools to deal with them, the, the, the plague that we don't yet have the medicine for. You might say a pandemic that we're waiting on the vaccine. Yeah, I was I was trying to avoid that analogy, but you you went right for it. You know what? Sometimes you just got to drive the bus right <laughs> into things. Sometimes you know we're playing GTA over here, and and it's just you know right in there. Sometimes subtlety is not the name of my game. You should know this. Sure. <laughs> so, anyways, like you talk about him being oppressive. I've played a couple of games against him. I've seen games played with and against him. I've I've never actually played a game with him like myself because I just live vicariously through everybody else playing them. But I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I understand what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can see like the model move. He rolled dice. He hit hard. He pay for, for things and and you can't hurt him back. Basically there's a lot of good stuff. And he's done it to me on multiple occasions of like, I'm going to ferocity. I'm going to get enough power to do a butcher of Thor's. Oh, and now everything is dead and you don't get to play the game. I mean, that's happened to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I, yeah, 
I actually just a couple nights ago, I was testing a, a game and my um, buddy wanted to play Mal. And I said, well, I need to get more practice against Mal. So let's bring Malekith in. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> and you got deleted. Got it. I, well, I, and, and, you know, surprisingly, he had his first attack into my character. He attacked my Iron Man and did zero damage on his first attack. He ferocityed in his zero damage. That was not enough for him to be like, well, I guess that didn't work out. Like if you play something like Black Order back in the day and Corvus Glaive doesn't get his kills on, then that's kind of checkmate for Black Order a lot of times. Yeah. So that's not the case with Malekith. Malekith can whiff on a couple of attacks even and still have the presence to dominate a game. So it's interesting that you bring up Corvus because that's where I wanted to go and kind of, you know, relate this to, right? Because Corvus was like ultimate murder machine, reality Corvus specifically, ultimate murder machine. You know, his strike had a pierce on it. He could do Glaive's Edge, adding the blanks. His death blow was bananas. It had the flurry that, you know, recently they've made it to where his flurry is now a shield requirement. Before, I think it was a crit and a wild, maybe, or just a wild? Just a, just a wild. There you go. So just a wild. So, like, you death blow with a Glaive's Edge. You're moving, like you said, getting the kills on. But he doesn't have that health pool that Amalekith has, and he doesn't have the you-can't-re-roll-into-me type of shenanigans that Malekith has. So, to your point, if Corvus whiffed, if, if for whatever reason a whiff happened, which was very rare with Corvus, but, but it did happen, then he was kind of out there on an island, and you could, given enough focus and effort, get him down. I think Malekith is the same way in that with enough focus and effort, you can get him down. But the problem is, and to your point, he's really tough to get down because you don't get to modify your dice against him. And then secondly, he's got such a big health pool that you're just going to juice him up. And juicing him up is no good. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's more than that. Like it's not even just well, that. Explain it's, it to me, because like you, you, you definitely are at a at a different level of player than I am in, in, with this kind of stuff, right? You see the game differently than I do, because I come at it from a like, you know, casual with a side of competitive, whereas you come at it more from a competitive side of things. So I really want to like, what do you mean? It's more than that. Well, first off, I wouldn't say it's a different level, just a a different perspective, Fair. and I, I think that. It's not just that he has a huge health pool so he can get a lot of power. It is the fact that attacking him, unless you have like a super monster who can attack him and dish it out, it seems just a waste of your actions because you're rolling dice. You cannot modify your dice into him, but he can modify his dice because of Cloak of Shadows. So right. you're rolling dice into him. His dice are better. And if you do damage to him, then he can soak it up because he has that that health pool. So he gains his power. He's also hard to kill when he doesn't want to take that damage. He can make a lot of decisions on the fly. He's also, unlike Corvus, who is a size 2, you can't also just ignore him. You can't just say, all right, well, I'll just you know 
have vision throw him medium and then he's very sad because he needs to be in range too mm-hmm. and now he's off in the wilderness he's a size four character mm-hmm. and there's not a lot that can move a size four character and then if you do throw the size four character he's got a charge <laughs> on a medium movement with a big base yes the, the problem when it comes, you know, to give a, an analogy, which hopefully some of your listeners understand, I come from an X Men, X Wing, sorry, background, <laughs> and uh, the analogy that this pops up into my head—it's not a perfect analogy, but the one that does—is there was used to be this list called the Triple Jump Masters. Oh, I know exactly and what you're talking about. Yes, it was a list where it was basically three beefy ships that were seemingly innocuous, but then you just kit them out with some missiles and some whatevers, and they had this amazing dial, and they had all the stuff. And it was basically you just, unless you had a very specific counter list to them, you were going to lose. There was was no dice that were going to save you. You had to be insanely lucky or have a very specific kit. And that just, just narrowed the game of X-Wing and they and FFG at the times went through, I think four or five erratas to try to fix this problem. And they couldn't fix it until they just created a new edition of the game. (laughs) And to to me, this is the problem because when we used to complain about the triple jump masters, we used to say, we, we could ask five different people. Why is the triple jump master list broken? And you would get five completely different valid answers yeah and that is essentially in my opinion the problem with malekith at the time at right now is that he is such a he has so many problems if he had one or two problems it's okay but if he has so many problems that you ask five different people what's wrong with malekith they will all give you five totally different answers and he is going to narrow the game then then everyone has to have an answer for him and it's very hard because there's not a lot of tools to do that so you have to really hone your list if you want to have any chance of combating malekith because unlike the black order which was you know to compare him to black order back in the day is not very generous because blight and black order back in the day also had a very negative stigma because it was a very oppressive negative feel but black order back then did have weaknesses play on wide crises play uh, wide lists use a lot of control separate corvus and and thanos you know there were a mm-hmm. lot of ways to mitigate them somehow and malekith doesn't have that because between him and the Black Bifrost and the Midnight Phantasmagoria, he has absolutely zero weaknesses. Yeah. Zero weaknesses. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned his two tactics cards, the, the Black Bifrost, which, you know, he can get anywhere he wants for the cost of one stamina. Boohoo, he's got 10. So <laughs> he's getting where he wants to go. Secondly... Yeah, it- the the midnight phantasmagoria. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, no, no, the healing factor there is huge, and it's such a big range around that big base. 
pushing people away, which keeps him that much safer, have to spend actions, action economy, to get to Malekith if you are trying to beat your head against the kitty. And then you layer into that, he's also going to have a team with him. And whatever damage you do to him can be immediately undone with a little thing called patch-up. Yes. And, like, we all were like, man, why are they taking away field dressing? Why are they taking away med pack? Well, my friends, I think we have the white tiger riding blue and black-faced reason right here. Because could you imagine (laughs) if you actually managed to daze a Malekith and then all of a sudden, hey, field dress that guy right up. I don't want to yep. think about that. That's an alternate reality somewhere that I'm, <laughs> we don't want to live in. Field dress patch up. Field dress, field dress him, and then patch him up. Ugh. Six health back, back on the board. Nope, don't love it. So we're talking about him as a problem, right? So, so you know what he's gonna do if, if you're if you're kind of fresh to this game. You know, I I know for a fact because I, I get messages all the time. People just come in into this game. The, the sky is not falling. I want to be very clear about that, right? Malekith, if you, if you go to your local game store and someone's like, hey, I want to play Malekith and you're not comfortable playing that because you're pretty new to the game or whatever reason, it's okay to voice that opinion. Like, I, I want to... You know, I remember Black Order, again, back in the day. And yes, it's different, to your point. But people were like, look, I I don't want to play Black Order. Like, you know, iron sharpens iron, so, like, play the stuff that is good that you think can help you get better if that's what you're interested in. But if you just want to roll some dice, just want to have some fun, and somebody's like, hey, I want to do this, it's okay to, to not be okay with that it's it's okay to say hey do you mind if we don't do that because i just kind of wanted something a little more casual and if it's just you and one other person there you know y'all can come to some kind of an agreement i'm sure but like if that person really wants to play that and there's multiple people around that are there for your local game night i'm sure that somebody else might be interested in the kind of game that player wants and the kind of game you want as someone who just again wants to play that more casual thing so i want to again Sky is not falling on MCP. But what we're going to do today is also talk about some of the ways that you can deal with a Malekith. And there are very few, but Matthew, what would well, be a few? Let me, let me just touch on that point, because you did ask a question earlier in I the did? cast. And we did, I didn't answer it because we got caught up in the errata. And what you mentioned there is actually kind of, in my opinion, answers the question you asked, which is, is this um, a problem from a competitive only or a casual stance? And I think that answers your question. We have a model here that we're essentially giving out a warning, saying it's okay for you to say, if you're just going to a casual game, it's okay for you to say no. You don't have to play the game because you're forced to play the game. It's your choice. You don't have to play against Malekith because it's not a fun experience. If you just, unless you just like don't mind losing and you just want to go and roll dice and see how 
absolutely ridiculous it could end up being and get destroyed. If that's your fun, then cool. But if you want to go out there and have a game, just even on a casual way, then now we're talking about not including Malekith until the third week of a tournament. We're talking about, okay, maybe you just say, all right, but I don't want to play against Malekith. I just, I'm just here for a casual game. So that means that he's not that great for a casual setting. And then we talked already a bit before about from a competitive point of view, it shrinks the game because now you only have a small subset of what you can do and it pushes out other affiliations and other um, you know, divergent gameplay. So mm-hmm. from a competitive point of view, he's not good because he's making the game very small and very boring and it's oppressing that section. And so there's no other part of the game. He That is essentially another core problem to Malekith, which is that he's presenting both a negative experience, both casually and non-casually and competitively. So that's the answer to that question. I think he's a problem on both regards. It's not just a, uh, it's not just a, top of the top of the mountain people try hard sweaty people yeah i think yeah i think you're right and that's why i asked that question at the beginning and i appreciate you going back to it and and that's why i felt like it's good to have this discussion because again like it's it's this you know i I try to look at it from a there's people that are brand new to there's people that are are pretty competitive that will listen to this podcast and I know someone out there is going to is gonna disagree, and that's okay. But when I look at Malekith here and having played into him, you know, I, I've wanted to play into him more because I want to see if there's other ways to maybe deal with him and, and do different stuff, right? Because I know ever since the inception of MCP, there's always been some like, you know, hey, this is the thing. And then it's like, well, you know, you can also do these other things too. You know, there's there was, you know, Black Order is really good. There was BDT back in the day, which that, you know, I'm not going to say what that means, but uh, it was a Thor thing with with Hulk and everything. Like that was a whole thing. So like, you know, it's, and and whenever we see things like, you know, Black Cat and like, oh man, we got to deal with Black Cat, all oh, voodoo, all oh, voodoo such a problem, you know, and and everything is is a problem until it isn't. And, like, is Black Cat still have her issues? Yes. Does Voodoo still have his issues? Yes. I do believe that those things will be addressed in time, just like with Malekith. I think that maybe this is the start of setting a new precedent for Marvel Crisis Protocol going forward in that, you know, we don't know what the future holds. Maybe the future is something that can deal with Malekith. You know, I don't, I don't know. Cause we don't know yet, but maybe, maybe it's like, okay, well, everything from here forward is, is designed around punking Malekith. I doubt that it's that specific, but I, I think that that's why I think a measured approach to these kind of discussions is important, but that doesn't mean that we can't say, Hey, this is a little bit broken and needs an addressing right now. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I think there's ways to deal with him. So, yeah. To bring it back, what are some of your favorite ways to deal with him? And before we before we go into that, because I'm you know sidetrack central over here, you did mention like especially competitively how it narrows things down. That I feel like is a problem because it's like if you don't have these very specific tools, 
especially at an event. Like if you go to a tournament, you have to be prepared for someone to have a Malekith. You have to. And so having these tools at your disposal is something you can think about, but if it's not the way you want to play, then just be prepared that you might run into a Malekith and you might have to come up with an alternative plan. Is the alternative plan to lose that game? No. No. <laughs> you know, dice are going to dice, man. You know, you got to just true. just roll it's those true. dice. Pray. Prayer. Prayer is a, is a, it's alternative a, it's a powerful plan. tool <laughs> for some people. So what, what are some of the, your f- best ways you have found of dealing with Malekith? Because you're not going to outrun him most of the time. No. So I will caveat to all the people who might scream into their phones when they hear me say, well, this is a way you can deal with Malekith. I am not saying that these are any, in any way, shape, or form, a hard counter. These are probably more annoyances and ways to potentially slow him down so that you have at least a a higher percentage chance of winning on the scenario. So I just want that caveat out there. Um, So some of my favorite... Well, I had mentioned earlier Recalibration Matrix is a good... A potential get out of jail card because if he rolls a bunch of skulls and then he's pays he has to decide is he going to pay a lot of power which he usually does to turn him into crits which does create more dice but then you can at least re-roll those skulls and then they're no longer skulls and then they're no longer um they no longer count towards his successes they're not criticals anymore so right the fact that he spends the power to turn his skulls into crits means that they are now dice that you can touch um right so recal is a good uh i think crimson dynamo also is a fantastic uh option because he can both shock malekith as well as reroll his dice mm-hmm. um she hulk i love is She-Hulk. a is very good um into into I don't know if the opportunity cost of what you're losing elsewhere because she is six threads. It's not like you're it's a it's a cheap option for handling this, but um she has the ability to like punch she has the ability to throw a big punch at him. So maybe you dice spike and do something to him. Um which is if you can't modify your dice, then the alternative solution is to have really good natural dice or just a large pool of dice and then pray that you get above average results yeah um but she slows him which he can't is one of the conditions he's not immune to and then she can yeet him away medium so that if she can has the ability to already be in range too maybe because of a bodyguard and then aggressive then she can punch him throw him and then walk away and then he more or less doesn't have the ability to attack twice. And then he has to move once, then ferocity, and then hope and then hope that he doesn't delete a model then. Right. Um so that that could be good. She Hulk herself has a lot of liabilities as a character. Um so oh, I don't yeah. yeah, so I don't know if she's uh, a great solution, but if she is already there, if you're playing shield, then maybe she's good uh counterattack yeah no i i I really like the she hulk one just because she does have liabilities she does not have field dressing anymore to save her uh 
just like regular old Hulk. She doesn't have any way to help her own defense. She does have the four energy, but four energy versus seven dice with all the skull shenanigans. It's and not going to stand up for long. Yeah. Uh, I. You, there's also the staggers out there. You know, people talk about the black cats mm-hmm. that can go up and just spend two power and stagger him to reduce his action, action efficiency. Um, that works for some miles. You know, if you're playing against like a like a winter guard mm-hmm. or an Asgard, it doesn't really work. Yeah, um, and even to a certain extent, even a uh, a cabal mal, it doesn't really matter because he, the cabal mal has just so much mobility between the black Bifrost and the leadership. Yeah, that he could just get where he needs to do, and and a good. Um, a good mal player will be able to choose what they need to do with that action they have. Um, but stagger is not, not helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think another one you touched on is shock and the ability to, to shock characters I think is really strong right now. And especially a character like Malekith, just, just tuning him down just that extra little bit, I think is really fun. Um, let me ask you this. So there are, Characters like Magic, who I'm not necessarily advocating that you play Magic into Malekith, but she has her Dark Clyde, or Dark Child as it's officially called, but it's Dark Clyde here on HPP, uh, attack. And it says that you add the number of skull results in both the attack and defense roll to the total for its damage. Now, with that, does that mean if Mal is treating the skulls as criticals, do you still get to count them for your dark child attack here? Nope, because they're criticals now. Dang it. Okay, see? Yeah. I-, I thought I was being work. cute. thought no, I was being doesn't, cute. Doesn't work for Dormammu either. Ugh, stupid Dormammu. Malika can just spend power to take away re- uh, successes from you. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say... He doesn't like certain conditions. Like, you mentioned the shock, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, not very popular of a condition. Uh, Thor has it yep. automatically on his one cost, you know, quote unquote spender range five is pretty good if you're into playing Thor. And you also have it on like Hood Spender. You also have Hawkeye if he gets that wild, mm-hmm. can put a shock and a slow if he gets a, two attacks into Mal and you can shock and slow him. And that's a very sad Malekith. Oh yeah, and also if you have the stomach of putting a size five character in front of <laughs> in front of Malekith, who could potentially be thrown from a ferocity, then using suppression protocols from the Sentinels, oh yeah, is very good because they get to add conditions based on whatever, however many wilds they roll. And incinerate, shock, and slow are the three options. And Malekith does not like any of those. Those are probably his three most hated of uh, conditions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Sentinels are actually kind of like a nice little, like, not necessarily pure counter, like you said, but like they're a fun way to kind of mess with things a little bit. Another character that I think is interesting, not necessarily like, the best, but like if you have access and it makes sense for your list, a character like Ghost Rider, I think is very interesting. 
because being able to use a Wicked's Judgment whenever he does go popping off with all those criticals, and it's like, oh, hey, Mal, that's within three of my Ghost Rider, and a good Mal player is probably going to make sure not to do this, but still, like, oh, well, now you are going to take damage for each of those criticals because of Wicked's Judgment, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I think that's one of those things that's like, it's probably more cute than good. But at the same time, if you're playing Ghost Rider already, like if like I play Ghost Rider with my convocation right now, and I feel like that he would be really solid in this, yeah. in the mail. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the counterpoint is that uh, Ghost Rider probably gets like totally deleted by Mal. Um <laughs> Well, hey, that's and, when he just uh, comes back to life. And that's true. He comes back to life, which will kill another character. But uh, he, like you said, a good Mal player will probably recognize the range band of Ghost Rider. And unless Ghost Rider is putting himself right in the middle of the action, then Malekith will probably charge outside of range three, but inside right. of range two, whoever he wants to kill. But the other thing to recognize, I, we're talking about all things to mitigate, essentially, Malekith's dice. You also have to remember that Malekith does have a lot of other tools available to him. Mm -hmm. Namely, he has the Midnight Phantasmagoria, which is a push. He has the throw, which all that has to do is deal damage to get the throw. And then he's just got this big old, uh, seemingly forever healthy, you know, large base size for body that can just bully its way wherever it needs in order to hold on to extracts he could play a very strong scenario game and again this doesn't even account the rest of his team like if he rolls into mal cabal and he's got mal mystique black cat zemo at the ready uh, that's a very that's that's a that's a pretty strong core, Oof. and they can handle anything. You're Plus, right. he's got healing on that leadership. Yeah, and another crazy thing about that is let's think about Mystique bringing deception. So, like, oh, you're gonna hang out away from Mao? No, you're not. Yeah, perfect example. I watched a TTS League cut. Um, it was against a Sam Wilson Avengers. The character, the, the, the Sam Wilson player, the one priority. And it was, I think it was Montessi. And do you think that's a good, that's good for the Sam player? Yeah. You know, they got Black Panther or somebody tanky. They can roll them out there and grab the middle extract and be good to go, you know? And yeah. it was also on Spider Portals. Really wide scenario. Great scenario for Sam. But the problem is, is that the Sam player did not go and grab that middle extract. And the reason for that was, is because if they do, then Mystique rolls up, deceptions the person in, takes a couple of shots. But now that person is in double attack Mal range, double attack Zemo range, double attack everybody range. Mm -hmm. That character has almost zero chance of surviving. Yep. So that combination, and she's affiliated. So that combination, and then you throw in other things like the black cat that I mentioned, which, you know, not broken, but p 
potentially broken in certain areas. Uh, well, Mal's leadership gives power right. and movement. So if he dazes somebody, then Black Cat suddenly has three power all of a sudden and moves into range one and then steals. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it's important to remember when you're thinking about Mao and all the puzzles he's creating that it's not just what he's bringing to the table. It's and in terms of dice. It's yeah. the scenario presence that he allows to dominate. I saw I think there was another cut game against Spider Foes and Malekith I think attacked once or twice in the entire game and and the, and the play, and the player won by I think it was like 20 to 4. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they, and that was a good spider foes player. The first round was eight to one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And like, didn't even attack anybody really. Just attacked, I think, twice the entire game. That's pure insanity. Holy crap. Yeah. Fair and balanced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. F- fair, balanced, probably. I don't know. But no, I, it's it's one of those things you you really brought up a point that I think is it is maybe sometimes overlooked and it's like that scenario presence because what Malekith facilitates over a character like a Dormammu right is if you bring Dormammu you have to play a dark dimension and Dormammu is probably undertuned I think we can all agree for what yeah. an eight character threat should feel like based on what we see here with Amalekith. You know, right? Like, if these two things are, are are meant to be slightly less good, then, like, one is slightly less good than the other one, then, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, <laughs> we're not... But, this... they should, but they really shouldn't be. Like, from a game design perspective, right. the threat increase should be almost exponential exactly. in terms of impact. So the seven, eight threat should be no question better than the seventh threat and really at if you want to be generous you can say that they are somewhat on par when comparing side by side but really dormammu feels like the seven and malika feels like the eight yeah yeah i think you're exactly right and and that it's that scenario presence and like okay you don't have to play the dark council cabal affiliation but you can and you've got a lot of great options affiliated to put into that and then you think okay well i'll play on lower scenario well all of a sudden then you're you're looking at uh malekith modok and toad and i've seen that little combination just pop off you know so i think there's like a a lot of interesting conundrums that malekith presents for us and it's one of those things where i think that you can you can have fun playing with and against Malekith, depending on the nature of the game. Like, if you're in a tournament game and you're playing against Malekith, it's, it's probably not going to be fun, I'm being honest. But, like, you know, you can just enjoy it for what it is, right? Like, it's this crazy character doing this crazy stuff, but that doesn't take away from the fact that, on the whole, this character creates a lot of negative situations and... I'm not going to sit here and try to like say this is how you fix it because I'm not a game designer. I don't know what, you know, like what a fix would do or what kind of things you would need to fix to to 
do certain things with this character, right? Like I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, this is how you fix this character. But I will say, do you think that Malekith might be the first character we see appear on either the restricted list or the banned list? No. Mostly, I mean, an official stance anyway. Correct. Uh, obviously, he already is somewhat banned, even in a slow, <laughs> a slow grow league. And <laughs> the, but um, I won't because I, I, I think that AMG's design philosophy is that you get to play with the toys you bought. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very sad feeling to buy something like as expensive as Malekith and then be told by the game designers that you're no longer allowed to play with this thing. And I think that is a, a the right philosophy to have. Yeah. And I think that that's the way it, the way, I think that's the way it should be. I think the way that you solve it is through errata and you solve it through providing tech. You know, yeah. providing things in the in the game that can counter counter it so that it's not as prevalent. So people who who are like, well, this is how I win my games. I'm going to play Malekith, so I'm going because I want to win. So therefore, I'm going to play him. And now I realize that it's not as easy of an answer because whatever the reason that came out, uh, whatever come out, maybe the blob comes out and he has some kind of super anti Malekith tech and. <laughs> You're you're yeah. you you don't play him anymore, and now he's not in in the meta as much, and something else takes over the meta, and metas evolve as they should be. Uh, I don't think that Malekith is a character that can be solved solely through releases. Mm -hmm. I think he, I don't even think he's a character who could be solved through crisis uh, selections because he basically can play any any crisis. I think maybe sword at 14 is his weakest crisis. Yeah. But even then, I don't think it's a slam counter to him. Well, so yeah, then you're, then the, you're running the risk of playing sword into something that you're less good at too, potentially if you don't see a Malekith. Right. Exactly. And there's also just the fact that he's just one model, you know, the, the splash ability of him makes it so that since he's one model, you could also just say, well, I'm just not going to play Malekith this, this game. Yeah. So I don't I don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So he he's a character that needs errata first, and I don't I'm not going to say what the errata is again. I think that uh, I'm not a game designer either, and I AFG has proven in the past to be far more creative and effective in their erratas and finding solutions to problems than uh, any of the community has been because they come up with answers that no one has even thought of, and I think that's shows their experience. And I think that they are aware. I think that they are probably doing what they normally do, which is let him breathe a bit. Let let him yep. have his reign of terror. Yep. And then use the data we have and make the adjustments we need through probably errata. Yeah, you, you mentioned letting him have his reign of terror. But let's not forget, this is a big bad in not only comics, like, but on the tabletop, like, but he's a big bad character. He's on a giant freaking dragger or tigran, whatever you want to call this thing. 
I know it has a name in the comics, but I don't care what it is. It's the giant kitty with it's dragon a wings. Bog tiger. A bob tiger? Bog tiger. Like you're in a bog. bog. I don't think I've ever seen a tiger like that in any bog I've ever been in. And I frequent bogs. Well, you've never been to his realm that I'm not going to try and pronounce. Clearly. But either way, it's it's one of those things where like it's a reign of terror that we're going to have to just endure for a little bit. You know, it's the sun's getting real low. It might be midnight. I don't know. The conqueror of the Ten Realms is going to conquer the realms of Crisis Protocol. So, you know, it's one of those things where, like you said before, and like I've said before on this podcast, I trust AMG. I, I know that this is one of those things, like, it might have slipped through the cracks a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm sure all of these things go through mountains and mountains of testing. And, you know, who knows? Like, it's, it's one of those things where we don't know when this character was being tested. We don't know for how long, any of that stuff. So, you know, it's just going to have his day in the sun or his day in the shadows. And, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Now, the last question I want to ask you, Matthew, before we button it up and I wanted to get some listener questions, but I feel like this has been a really, really good discussion. So I will make sure to get to those questions as soon as I can. Have no fear. I will ask them. But do you think Malekith will drive people away from Marvel Crisis Protocol? I don't know, honestly. I, I think that, I mean, I guess the the simple answer is yes, but not in the way that... I think the answer, the question alludes to, I think that people come and go from games for a variety of reasons. And that's just the nature of these type of games. You know, there are a lot of games out there. There's a lot of things that are competing for our hours and our money. And you sometimes go in and you play a game and you play it for a long time. And then this do for one reason or another you leave it for a bit or mm-hmm. forever and i think the similarly this could be a reason i think there will definitely be people who will come and they will play against malekith and they'll say well this is a this is a dumb game i'm not gonna play this or they've been playing for a while and they've been like i mean you know been like i'm not gonna interact with this game for a couple of months now because this is not a good meta and there are gonna that's definitely going to happen um but i also i i mean i i think that this should be fixed because i think if it continues on and just doesn't get fixed then yes i think the game could potentially just uh crumble as i think if if every game needs a certain level of maintenance to it yeah yeah these games are made by humans humans are fallible and they don't there's a lot of moving parts in these games both before a a character's created and then after which they are also aware of things that are like two years down the line so there's a lot going on in their brains and this process so things happen and naturally the game needs maintenance if you don't maintenance your game then yes people will eventually just leave because they realize the developers or the designers don't care about the game enough to fix whenever there are problems. But I think if he's here and he gets fixed, 
in the time that he leaves, he probably will push out just as many people as the people who were upset about Black Order or the people who were upset about a bad experience with Dormammu even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I've, I've had a couple of games against Dormammu and I'm just like, oh my God, this effing guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, me too. Me too. Oof. And it just be like that sometimes. I mean, it, it just be like that. But I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, Malekith is just a character on the tabletop. He's not going to haunt your dreams, I don't think. Uh, I, I hope not. Uh, but, you know, it's worth criticizing. It's worth discussing. And I feel like that uh, this was a really productive discussion on what you might expect when you see the big bad kitty dad. And, you know, ways to deal with him, ways to just prepare yourself mentally for if you see him on the tabletop. Like, if you're opponent is bringing Malekith, they're probably going to be less models, so you can try to either focus on Malekith or focus on his friends. I think that's an, an option that you can try to go with. You know, try different things. Like, if, if someone is out there and they want to play Malekith and you want to go into Malekith, see what that's like, try different stuff, and then be on the other side of it. See what it's like to play Malekith. See those different kind of things and, and get a feel for this character yourself so that you can kind of have an understanding for if you do go to an event. I know in the House Party Protocol Discord, there's a ton of people talking about different events they're going to and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, being prepared and having a few reps into a character like this is one way to get ready for events and stuff like that. So, you know, if, if, if you've never played in Amalekith and you show up at an event, Good luck. You know, I, I I would hope that you would go into that with the right sense of, uh, you know, mindset. But at the end of the day, play the game how you want to play. And remember, at the end of the day, with all of this stuff, we're meant to have fun. We're, we're supposed to be playing this game. It is an escape and, and to have fun and all of that fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. I don't Good know. message. Yeah. So, Matthew, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on all the various discords, including the House Party Protocol Discord. Uh, you'll find me as Shadow Marvel in everywhere, except for one discord where I'm listed as Halt Mutant. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, because I'm a bit of a Sentinel love kick right now. Uh, you can also find me, I am on the Gamers Guild podcast with Merzane, Kenny, uh, Nate, and Sooner. And we, those usually come out every Tuesday. And that's where, and I'm, on, I'm in about 50% of those. So you, you'll likely hear my voice from time to time. Some rant, they like me to rant on there. So you'll probably hear me rant there. Clearly, you did a good job here, so go check out the Gamers Guild podcast. Uh, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely have been enjoying the Gamers Guild podcast. It's a good time. So, Suits, make sure to go check that out. I was recently on an episode myself. Me and Nate talked about uh, my first love, the Web Warriors. So definitely go give... a good episode. Oh, I thank just you. listened to it. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it's one of those things where I, you know, I... Uh, I still love the Web Warriors. I, I still love them so very much, and they're so much fun. I, I had them on the table recently, and it was just like, man, now I remember why I fell in love with MCP. So all of that stuff aside, 
uh, suits, make sure to check out our Facebook page. If you're not already, check that out. We've got a giveaway going right now for the Sentinels, which we have to come up with a secret code word for today's episode. And I don't know about you, but I definitely think that something around the Sentinels is in order. Even though we just had this big rant about Malekith, like, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about online and operational? Uh, I love it. Online and operational is either online or operational or size five. It's got to be one oh, of those two. It's size five. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Size five is going to be our secret code word for this week's episode. So make sure to send me that either via Facebook Messenger on Discord. If you're part of our Discord community, you can just DM me over there. Um, or you can find me in the other Discords and, and send me a DM that way. Or you can uh, send me an email at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. If you're interested in joining our Discord community and supporting the show, check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol where for as little as a dollar a month, 12 bucks a year, which Nate says that every episode on you guys' podcast, but he totally got that from me. I want you to know. <laughs> uh, I believe it. Yeah, he, he does. It's, it's funny. I love it. So anyways, for that little amount, you can support House Party Protocol, support what we do here. Basically, you know, just helps pay for the giveaways, helps pay for podcast hosting, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's very much greatly appreciated. I... Uh, I say this a lot, but I will continue to say it. I cannot put into words the level of gratitude for all of the suits out there, but especially uh, the patrons. Like It really means the world to me that you guys are here with me on this journey of MCP podcastdom, and uh, I really appreciate it. And lastly, I would like to say that um, if you have an opportunity leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. It helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find their way to House Party Protocol and uh, also helps me get better when I read these reviews. I try to, you know, take to heart what people say and stuff like that. If you ever have any issues with the podcast or anything like that, feel free to let me know. And I think I've covered everything and uh yeah make sure to let us know what you thought about our malekith discussion about what online and operational is for you guys whether or not you are excited about the sentinels this new rivals pack all of that fun stuff and with that party on matthew party on will and power down suits (laughs) 